0: Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Ancestor, written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com/ancestor. December first, eight fourteen a.m. Clayton stopped the nuge in front of Sven's barn. He let the vehicle idle and hopped out. A beat later, 45 pounds of happy-ass black border collie shot out of the barn. Mookie jumped at Clayton, her front paws on his chest, her hind paws hopping up and down as she tried to stretch up enough to lick his face. She whined with excitement. Easy there, eh? Clayton laughed and he twisted his face away from Mookie's insistent tongue. Take it easy, girl. Mookie, sit, Sven said firmly. Mookie's rump hit the snow. Her tongue dangled out of her smiling mouth. Her tail kept sliding back and forth across the ground, kicking up wisps of powder. Marnin', Sven. I thought I'd stop by and see if an old fart like yourself managed to survive the storm. I'm fine, Sven said. You're out here to fix the phone lines? Clayton shook his head. Not yet. Groomin' the trails first. Phone lines down, I take it? Yeah, Sven said. I tried calling to mansion to tell him I have their cows. The words didn't register for a moment. Clayton stared at Sven, then walked up to the barn's open door. Sven walked with him. Mookie heeled to Sven, locked in just a few inches from his feet. Inside the barn, Clayton saw 40-some cows standing in the open area between the stalls lining either side. He walked up to one and checked the ear tag. A-13, it said, with the words Clarabelle written in permanent marker. An A-tag, Clayton said. She's from Domaine Herd. Yeah, Sven said. Well, I'll be dipped in Meteor shit. I saw these same damn cows loaded onto that big fucking plane last night. Plane must have come back. Clayton shook his head. Can't see how. It didn't land at the mansion. Well, unless they make cow-sized parachutes these days... The plane had to land somewhere. Clayton nodded. Aside from the mansion and the hangar, the C-5 was the biggest damn thing on the island. Couldn't land it on a dime like some helicopter. You see any people, Sven? Someone had to be with the cows. Sven shook his head. Nope. Well, this is nuttier than a no-dick stag in mating season. Don't make any sense. You hear anything last night? Slept like a baby, eh? Don't mean there wasn't any noise, though. The wind was screaming. The presence of the cows meant a landing, or at least a controlled crash. If cows survived, people survived, which meant the people had either let the cows go, then gone off in another direction, or the people were hiding. But hiding from what? From who? Sven, I really don't know what to make of this. Me neither. You mind keeping this to yourself for a little bit? Maybe until I figure out what's going on. Sven shrugged. Don't really matter to me. They're safe here. Besides, I can't call anyone until your lazy ass fixes the phones now, can I? Clayton nodded slowly, his eyes still scanning the extra cows that had magically appeared in Sven Valentine's barn. I'll fix the lines today. I better finish my swing up to North Point and see if I can find anything. Just let me know. Clayton gave Claribel one last look. She seemed sick, her eyes glazed over with a thin layer of mucus. They don't look good, do they? Nope, Sven said. They don't look good at all. Clayton turned and walked back to the nuge. December 1st, 8.46 a.m. Sarah and Tim stood shivering in the woods, a thick, snow-covered pine between them and the road. The storm had passed, but the cold had not. It hung in the air like an ethereal hammer, pounding at them with a constant, numbing pressure. When the throaty gurgle of a diesel engine had broken the all-powerful winter silence, they'd moved into the woods to hide. On the plowed road, the going had been easy thanks to Ted Nugent and Clayton's early morning work ethic. Waist-high drifts in the woods, on the other hand, made each step a struggle. The diesel engine sound grew louder, closer, then the sound changed to an idle. It had stopped. Sarah peeked around the tree. Clayton and the zebra-striped Ted Nugent. No surprise there, but why had he stopped? The vehicle's door opened. A thickly bundled Clayton climbed out. Sarah ducked back behind the tree then slid her hand out of the parka sleeve that doubled as a mostly ineffective glove Heart pounding in her chest she unbuttoned her holster strap and pulled out the beretta The pistol felt like a block of ice against her bare skin "The f- fuck fuck yes," Tim whispered his teeth chattering audibly "Let's whack that old man to t- t- take that tank thing." "We're not whacking anyone." she hoped She didn't want to hurt Clayton any more than she wanted to hurt Sven, but Clayton hadn't stopped in this spot by coincidence. If he found them and told Magnus. She peeked around the tree trunk again. Clayton stopped at the road's edge. He reached into his snow pants, fished out his penis, and started urinating on the snowbank. His hips twisted, directing the stream of urine. What's he doing? Tim whispered. Sarah shook her head in amazement. I think he's writing his name in the snow. The urine stream slowed to a trickle. Clayton shook once, zipped up his fly, then lifted a leg and cut loose with a fart that echoed off the trees. You can come out now, he yelled. If you don't mind, I really don't feel like marching into the woods after you, eh? Sarah's hands were cold and brittle. She wasn't even sure if she could actually feel the trigger. My truck is nice and warm inside, eh? Sarah, Tim said. Come on, I'm so cold. Other than the black stitches and the purple bruise, Tim's face had little more color than the snow around them. The man shivered uncontrollably. Maybe they should have taken Sven's house, but that chance was gone. And now, she knew they didn't have any choice at all. Sarah stepped out from behind the tree and leveled the Beretta at Clayton. The man's hands shot up. Christ on a bogo stick, Sarah! Don't point that thing at me, eh? Just don't you move, Clayton. You got me? Clayton nodded. Sarah reached back and pulled Tim to his feet. They stepped around the tree and trudged toward the road. Move to your right, Sarah said to Clayton. Step into that snowbank. Where I peed? That's gross. Fine, they're not there, but get your ass in the snowbank. Any sudden moves and I'll put a round in your kneecap. But I already have arthritis in my knees. Clayton, shut the fuck up! Tim, get in the vehicle and shut the door behind you! Clayton stepped into the bank, sinking in his snow up to his crotch. He wouldn't be able to make any fast moves in that. Shivering madly, Tim limped through the snow and onto the road. Sarah kept the Beretta leveled at Clayton. Tim climbed into the vehicle and shut the door behind him. Once inside, he wrapped his arms around his shoulders and trembled like a puppy in a thunderstorm. Sarah, Clayton said, put that damn thing down. You're shivering so bad you might shoot me by accident. Sarah looked at her own hand. The pistol seemed to shake like a living thing, as if it, too, were a victim of the island's oppressive cold. She lowered the gun. So how did you know we were out there? Saw footprints in the bank. And seeing as I just saw all the cows that were supposed to be on that plane, I figured some of the crew was around. You're a regular fucking Columbo, Clayton. Oh, yeah, Peter Falk could knock back the soda pops, but now's not really the time for stories, girly. Where's your crew? Sarah felt a new stab of loss as the memories of her friends welled up fresh and hot. She shook her head. Oh, no, Clayton said. Only you and Tim made it? Was that real sympathy or just acting? Clayton, how many people know we crashed? Don't know, eh? We didn't hear anything about it back at the mansion. Can't believe you could bring down something that big without the whole island knowing. Yeah, real hard to believe. She raised the gun and aimed it at him again. When did Magnus send you out to look for us? Did you radio him and tell him you found the cows? Clayton shook his head. You are really starting to piss me off with that damn thing. Magnus didn't send me out here, Sarah. I plowed a road and groomed the trails after every storm her whole body shook. Clayton was right. She might just shoot him by accident. He was an old man, for God's sake. He'd been on the island long before Magnus and Dante and Janata. Or so he said. She had no way of knowing who the hell he was. I'm the only one knows you're here, Clayton said. Now get in the damn tractor before frostbite sets in, eh? It was only when Clayton said the word frostbite. That Sarah realized her fingers had stopped stinging. They were numb. She took three steps toward the BV 206 before her vision blurred and she fell, unconscious, face first into the snow.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice.
0: December 1st, 10.05 a.m. Sven stood on his porch, Mookie in her constant position at his side. The salt he'd put down to melt the ice crunched underfoot every time he moved. Winter sucked up all other sounds, hoarded them, and refused to share. There was never a time like the dead of winter after a storm, when you couldn't hear anything at all. Anything, except for the cows. The new cows were making noises. Horrible noises, like they were sick or in pain, or probably both. Sven wondered if it had been a mistake to mix the strays with his cows, considering that his herd was a backup in case of main herd contamination. Still, the pregnant cows were worth a fortune. It seemed logical Dante would want them sheltered and cared for. Sven trudged out to the barn, Mookie automatically at his heels. The dog seemed far more subdued than normal. Sven slid the barn door open and walked in. Mookie started to growl. That was a disturbing sound, because while the agile black dog barked at anything that moved, and also at most things that didn't, she rarely growled. What's got into you, eh? Mookie shot into the barn, barking a nonstop row, 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 row at the pregnant cows. She ran behind them, between them, snapped at their feet. Mookie, bad girl! What the hell was she doing? The cow with the white head and the black eye patch stumbled out of the barn, driven by the teeth-bearing dog. Mookie was trying to cull the new cows out of the barn. Mookie, goddammit, stop it! Mookie did not stop. She ran back into the barn and nipped at another pregnant, sick cow. This time, Sven caught her coming out, his big hand locking down on a neck full of black fur. He lifted her high. She yelped like he'd hit her with a tire iron. The ear piercing sound was her automatic defense mechanism, her way of getting out of trouble. The yelp always broke his heart. But that didn't change the fact that she'd lost it with these new cows. He tucked her under one strong arm and held her tight. Dog wasn't going anywhere, and she knew it. Sven scooted in front of Molly McButter. The cow saw Mookie, turned, and walked quickly back into the barn. Once Molly stopped, Sven stayed back and took a good look at her. The cow drooped her head low until her nose was only a few inches off the ground. Thick, white mucus covered her eyes and dripped down her cheeks in long, wet, smelly trails. Strands of snot and drool hung from the animal's nose and chin, swaying with motion when the poor creature let out a long and mournful moo. Sven looked over his own cows, content in their stalls. They seemed fine and healthy, heads up, Eyes normal. But the strays? They were all in similar shape to Molly. They hadn't looked this bad just a few hours earlier. Whatever the disease was, it came on fast. Not much he could do but wait. Clayton would fix the phone soon, then Tim Feely could come out and examine the cows. Sven used his one free arm to shut the barn door tight. Mookie's tail started thumping against his hip. Oh, no, you don't. You're in trouble he said, but he knew that was a lie and the damn dog probably knew it too. He set her down. She spun three circles and barked. His dog at his side, Sven walked back to the house, wondering what to do next. December 1st, 12.25 p.m. A hand gently shook her shoulder. Sarah didn't want to wake up. A bed, so thick with blankets she was on the verge of sweating. Such heat would have normally felt uncomfortable, but at the moment she'd never experienced anything so luxurious and wonderful. Sarah, wake up, eh? Her eyes fluttered open to see Clayton's salt-and-pepper-stubbly face hovering over her own. He was sitting on the bed. Tim looked down at her as well, a crutch under his left arm, his right hand holding a half-eaten chicken leg. Color had returned to his face. While his stitches still looked like shit, some of the swelling underneath had receded. Sarah sat up, reveling in the simple blessing of not being cold. What happened? Am I naked? You passed out, Tim said. Clayton put you in the truck, then he drove us to his house. We both undressed you. Your clothes were damp. Clayton was a complete gentleman, but I tweaked your nips. Like hell you did, Clayton said. Sarah rubbed her eyes. She looked over at Clayton. Her Beretta was stuffed into the waist of his thick snow pants. You staring at the gun? I hope so, because if you're staring at my thing, Colding might get mad at me, eh? He pulled out the Beretta and offered it to her butt first. You promise not to point it at me anymore? Sarah nodded and took the gun. At least there was one person she knew she could trust. Clayton seemed more than happy to be rid of the pistol. Tim told me about the bomb. I knew Magnus was a greasy pig fucker rolled in crap corn, but I didn't think he'd go that far. Where the hell did you land? Rappelgy Bay, Sarah said. On the ice. No shit? No shit. And it's just sitting there? I think most of it melted through when the bomb went off. I doubt that, Clayton said. Too fucking big. I'll swing up there and check it out as soon as I can. Magnus could be snowmobiling around any time now. None of the trails go by Rappelgy Bay. If he sticks to the trails, we should be okay, even if the plane is showing a little. Sarah nodded. Then what? What the hell do we do, Clayton? We have to get you off the island. The cows are at Sven's. If Magnus finds out, he'll come looking for survivors. Phones are down, but you can't keep a thing like that a secret for long. Sarah remembered the monster that had slid out of the cow's ruptured belly. We have to tell Sven to stay away from the cows. Stay away from cows? Clayton said. How can a cow be dangerous? Not the cows, Tim said. What's growing inside them? And what's inside of them? Monsters, Sarah said. Oh, Clayton said. Well, that just fucking clears up everything then. It should be okay, Tim said. The cows have no IV feeding, so the fetuses are starving. From what we've seen, the cows are just going to die and the fetuses will die along with them. Sarah shook her head. No, that thing came out and attacked Cappy. The cow's belly was already torn open, Tim said. The baby wouldn't have lived long anyway. Clayton looked from Tim to Sarah. A monster came out of a cow, bit Cappy, and then what happened? It almost bit Cappy's arm off, so I shot it. Well, fuck me, Clayton said. I think I'll tell Sven to stay away from the cows. Tim tore off another bite of chicken, then talked with a full mouth. At this point, best to err on the side of caution. Without the nutrition supplement, the fetuses can't live long. As long as no one goes near the cows, the cows die, fetuses die, done deal. It'll be fine. Clayton scratched his stubble. It made a sandpapery sound. I'll tell Sven, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to get you off the island. I think I can keep the cows and the crash secret for a day or two, maybe long enough to get my son out here with the boat and get you two back to the mainland. I'll tell Colding. Hopefully he can keep Magnus busy. At the sound of Colding's name, Sarah felt a pang of loneliness, but also one of suspicion. No, we can't tell Colding. Clayton's eyes squinted a little, and he put a hand on Sarah's shoulder. Are you sure you don't want to tell him? He's awful worried about you. Sarah wanted to tell Colding, wanted him there this very second, but that just wasn't the smart thing to do. P.J. sent us up in a plane loaded with a bomb, yet he stayed on the ground. Tim opened up his mouth to say something, paused, then took another bite of chicken leg. Deep down inside, Sarah knew colding would do anything for her, but the facts and her emotions didn't mix. And three dead friends made for one hell of a fact. A fresh gust of wind made the bedroom window rattle slightly. Outside, a few fluffy snowflakes moved from left to right. Clayton stood up. If that's the way you want it, fine with me. Another storm is coming in tonight, supposed to hit us pretty hard. Don't know if Gary can get out here in that weather. You two better stay here tonight. Get some real rest. Tomorrow I'll hide you into Old Town, eh? Right now, I've got to fix the phone line so Sven can call out if he needs me. Grab some dry clothes out of my closet. Eat whatever you want out of the fridge. But keep quiet. Anyone knocks, just don't answer. He patted Sarah on the shoulder and walked out of the bedroom. She pushed back the covers and sat up. Tim pretended not to look as he rummaged through Clayton's dresser. He tossed her a flannel shirt and jeans, which she quickly put on. "'Sarah,' Tim said. "'Is this who I think it is?' He was staring at a framed picture on top of Clayton's dresser. She stood up and looked. "'I'll be damned.' In the picture, Marilyn Monroe and a much younger Clayton Detweiler were sharing a passionate kiss. December 1st, 12:45 p.m. Clayton walked into the security room to find Colding sitting at the desk, steadily flipping through the monitor channels, the way someone would work a TV remote if there was nothing to watch. "Hey there, Clayton," Colding said. "Come to share a fart or two with me?" "No gas today, and I ain't here to see you. The phone lines are down. Computer will tell me where the brakes are." Colding stood and moved away from the desk. "Be my guest." He walked to the weapons rack and grabbed one of the berettas, then sat at the edge of the desk and started breaking down the pistol. Clayton sat and used the mouse to initiate the phone line integrity program. A progress bar started to fill. He was alone with Colding. There were no cameras in the security room, at least none that Clayton knew of. And if there were, where would they be watched? All the Big Brother monitoring was done from this room. Ironically, The security room was probably the only safe place to talk in the entire mansion. Maybe he could feel it out, see if Colding was to be trusted. No word from Sarah yet? Colding's lip curled up in a brief snarl, but the expression disappeared immediately. Nothing yet. His hands kept removing parts from the pistol, cleaning them with a rag, oiling, polishing, turning. Magnus has put in new codes and locked me out of the transmitter. I can't call Dante to find out what's going on. Bad going to worse. Why would Magnus change the codes? Colding shrugged. He says security's compromised. He wants to be the only one receiving or sending messages. Colding's fingers worked the weapon. This was Clayton's chance to tell him. But Sarah's and Tim's lives hung in the balance. Colding, I... His voice trailed off. Colding's hand stopped. He looked up. You what? Before Clayton could speak, the computer beeped loudly. The integrity check had finished. In that instant, Clayton's resolve broke. He'd stick to the plan. Nothing, he said, and turned back to the computer. The screen showed four breaks in the landlines, one near his house, one close to the Harvey's place, and two on the line leading from Sven's. Clayton printed the repair map, then left the security room. Sarah gnawed on a block of cheese in between gulps from a glass of milk. How could she be hungry at a time like this? She didn't care. Eating gave her hands something to do, even if she couldn't turn off her brain, couldn't turn off the thoughts of her dead friends. She and Tim walked around Clayton's house, looking at framed black-and-white pictures and faded Polaroids that would have made any paparazzi green with envy. Amazing, Tim said. Here he is drinking with Frank Sinatra. Sure enough, a black and white of old blue eyes, holding a half-filled tumbler up to the camera, an incredibly young Clayton Detweiler, doing the same with a bottle of Budweiser. To the right of that picture, another black and white with an even more famous face. Holy shit, Tim said. Here he is fishing with friggin' President Reagan, and fuck me, running this is Bridget Bardo back in the day, hot as hell and playing piggyback with Clayton. What is he in this picture, 25? Tim kept babbling, but Sarah wasn't paying attention anymore. Her thoughts had already drifted away to a darker place, a place where she would know what it felt like to put a bullet in Magnus Paglione's brain. Clayton patiently rode the Nuge's zebra-striped lift bucket up to the top of the wooden telephone pole. He was about a quarter mile northeast of the watchtower and the jammer tower. As he rose, he watched the new storm already taking shape. Dull gray-black clouds the color of sour chocolate milk filled the sky, steadily increasing in size and number, choking out the light. The wind had grown steadily all morning and now was pushing around 10 miles an hour a fallen tree had snapped the line. He had to repair it to connect Sven to the mansion. But as soon as he repaired that break, Sven might call the mansion, try to get Tim Feely out to check on the cows. And that was just because the cows were sick. If Sven found out there were baby monsters brewing in those big bellies, he'd go straight to Magnus. Keeping that info from Sven was a shitty thing to do, but the fact of the matter was that two lives hung on Clayton's every decision. The lift bucket reached the top. He had no choice. He had to keep Sven in the dark until Tim and Sarah were off the island. Clayton connected his orange handset and punched in Sven's number. You have been listening to Ancestor by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment.